Guests that are here today, thank you. My name's Rodney. I look forward to greeting you after the service. We got a special gift for you as well. Thank you so much. I hope our folks are making you feel welcome. Maybe as you came in, you got a handout. You can use that. If you didn't, you can download the app, hardenvalleychurch.com slash app, A-P-P. One more time, let's pay honor to God and His Word as we read it, and then we'll be jumping right in. Ephesians 5, <coughs> verse number 1, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children walk in love. Christ has loved us, given himself for us an offering and sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor, a beautiful fragrance. But fornication, uncleanness, excuse me, all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as become saints, holy people, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting, which are not convenient, they're never appropriate, but rather gratitude, giving of thanks. For this ye know that no whoremonger, unclean person, covetous man who is an idolater. Man, he is just as plain and succinct as he can be. Has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God? Let no man deceive you with vain, empty, specious words. For because of these things, verse 3, 4, and 5, because of these things comes the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Therefore, in light of this, another command. Be not partakers with him. Do not join into these activities. If you'll allow me today, what would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? Or, if you like it, how should we live? What would Jesus do? Would you pray with me one more time? Father, front to back, left to right, I pray that you would help us. Hear and understand and obey the scripture. And Father, I pray you'd help me, Lord. I'm, I'm distracted. I'm thinking about tomorrow. I'm thinking about the all kind of stuff. Help me just focus on these moments. May I, may I preach your word with power and authority. May it be clear. May you speak to us. Father, we need you this morning. So while I'm preaching on the outside, please, Holy Spirit, would you preach on the inside? Draw us to yourself. I ask it in your son's wonderful and holy name. And amen. You can be seated. You be seated. I almost didn't give you the title. I almost just put up there, WWJD. And if you were alive and paying attention in the 80s and the 90s, maybe you heard that expression. Anybody remember that? Who was alive and paying attention in the 80s and 90s? WWJD. And what was the, what was the deal with the WWJD stuff? What was going on? Was it, was it in a few places or was it everywhere? Everywhere. Like five of you responded. Thank you. It was everywhere. Could you get it as a bracelet? You get it as a T-shirt? You could get it, you know, I saw people, you know, putting around their license plate and all kind of things. I always thought it was funny. People to have, what would Jesus do? And they're driving like they belong to the devil and on the back of their car. And you had, you had it just all kind of things. And with the imitators of WWAD came the, came the folks who thought they'd have a little fun with it. Anybody remember the takeoffs on that? What would Jethro do? Apparently, that was the hillbilly response. And then, then you'd have a, you had all kinds of things. What would, <coughs> excuse me, what would RR, WWRR, what would Ronald Reagan do? And that was a little more political. And some of you are going, hey, I remember some of these things. My absolute favorite, and again, this is a, probably says more about me than anything else, was, uh, <coughs> let me make sure I read it right, what a WWBHD, WWBHD. What would Boss Hog do? And that's from the Dukes of Hazard, not the movie, but the television show. And, uh, and so I thought that was a, 
That was kind of clever. And we lampooned it. It's an interesting tale, though, how it came to be. Late 1800s, 1886, <coughs> a pastor by the name of Richard Sheldon, Richard Sheldon preached out in Topeka, Kansas, a series of messages. He preached them on Sunday night. They ended up getting carried on the radio, ended up turning to pamphlets, and he just simply said, what, what would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? And he preached those, and the people said, man, this is really good, they're really helpful. And so the pastor Sheldon took and turned them into literally a series of pamphlets. They said, this was really good as well. And they turned into a book. And instead of entitling the book, What Would Jesus Do? Again, 1886, 1890, he, uh, they found the title, In His Steps. In His Steps. Fascinatingly enough, he wanted the book disseminated, accidentally entered it into the public domain. He would sell until very recently what would be one of the top ten books, really to about 1980, that had ever been published here in the United States. And that in his steps <clears throat> became just a, just a smash and say it's been through many printings. I have in my office a copy uh, of uh, one, of the, one of the ones that were uh, paperbacked. And again, it's, it's quite old, and, and, and I, love, I love having a copy of that. And a lady... Got a hold of that book, 1987, 88, and said, man, we, we ought to do something with this. And she took that expression from the book, and she began to put it on some things in for her youth ministry in, uh, up in Michigan. And some other folks got a hold of it before long. Of course, it was at uh, Walmart and Kmart and other places, and, and, uh, and it just began to spread out of control. And it asked the question, what would Jesus do? Sheldon said in his book, that it would change everything. It would change everything if we imitated Christ. It would change everything. He was, of course, not saying anything new. He was pulling hard from Ephesians chapter 5. If you're there, look at verse 1 with me. I've got just a few <coughs> commands for you this morning. Two commands and a pretty strong warning with a command. And so we do this. He starts off and he says... He says, if we're going to do this, he says, you need to imitate your Lord. You need to imitate your Lord. Verse 1 there. Be, uh, excuse me. <coughs> Be you therefore followers of God as dear children. The word follower there, same word we get our word mimic from. Again, it means to follow, means to mimic, means to imitate. means to imitate. Imitate your Lord. What is he talking about here? He's reminding us... He's reminding us of who we belong to. Sometimes in my life, sometimes in my life I've had people, had people say, man, you act just like your father or just like your mother. And most of the time it's positive, but occasionally it's negative. Occasionally it's negative. At our house we like to play a little game with our children when they were younger. We would say something like, did you know what your child did? And that's not usually positive. And if they do something good, we say, look at what my child did. Anybody ever play that game or had that game played on you there? And he's doing that. He's saying, you are to do this. You are to follow him. You say, preacher, how in the world am I supposed to do that? I'll give you the, I'll give you the tip here that will help you out. Ephesians chapter 4, <laughs> excuse me, Ephesians chapter 5 there. If you go down to verse 18, if you go down to verse 18, in fact, why don't you do that? If you've got your Bibles open, just flip down there with me here. I've gotten them in the wrong book. Ephesians 5. Go down to verse 18. Wherefore be, or 17, be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Be not drunk with wine when there is excess. Be filled with the Spirit. 
speaking yourselves in psalms and hymns, spiritual songs, singing, making melody in your heart to the Lord. He's going to give you the command, and he's going to give you the how-to a little bit later on. We're not covering all that today for time's sake, but I would encourage you and remind you that part of the Christian life is that great relationship you have with the lovely Lord, and you are to be living as one of his children. You are to be acting like and imitating the attributes of the Lord. He gets pretty specific here. He says you're to imitate the Father. That's verse number one there. And you're to love like the Father. You're to love forgivingly. You're to love forgivingly. Chapter divisions are there. Sometimes they seem to interrupt the flow of thought. If you'll remember two weeks ago, Ephesians 4, verse 31 and 32 <coughs> Excuse me. Be ye kind one to another, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. You are to be in a forgiving imitation of the Lord. Let me, let me do a little bit of survey here. How many of you are glad God doesn't treat us like we treat other people? How many of you are glad He's more forgiving than you and I are? How many of you are glad? How many of you are glad when it's too big for us to get past, it didn't gotten too big for Him? to forgive based upon what Christ did on the cross. I am thrilled, and we get to imitate Him in this area of forgiveness. You want to stand out in a lost world, in an angry world, in a lawsuit-filled world, in a grudge-holding world, you learn to forgive. You imitate the Father in this area of forgiveness. This is the purpose, of the part of the purpose of the Holy Spirit. This is the purpose of the Word of God, that you're growing in likeness to the lovely Lord Jesus Christ, that you are becoming more like Him. You have been changed, and, and you now get to imitate that wonderfulness that is the Lord. And you get to act out the fact that you are His child. I would remind you, forgiveness says three things. I will not hold it against you. I will not bring it up again. And I've asked the Lord for grace in my heart not to be bitter towards you. You want a great big job of acting like your heavenly Father. If you're His, if you belong to Him, forgive. Lord, help me forgive. Be imitators. Be therefore followers of God as dear children. Someone said, someone said that great classic movie, Pee Wee's Playhouse. Pee Wee imitating everything and everybody. Somebody call him on, he'd go, I know I am, but what are you? If Pee Wee Herman can figure it out, in a negative sense, followers of Christ who've been empowered by the word, empowered by the Spirit of God, who have been taught by the Word of God, who have been exhorted by the man of God, ought to understand, man, I get to act like my Heavenly Father, and I get to mimic Him. Isn't it amazing? Isn't it amazing we start acting like the people we're around the most? Anybody here, you picked up a habit, and you're going, Where, well, that's what so-and-so does. Man, I can't believe I did that. Can't believe I did that. You, or you say a little thing. Anybody in here, you picked up something, you go, man, where did I get that? What did I, how, how did I, how did I do that? I've watched it with grandchildren, and, and, and they spend some time with their grandparents, and they come back, they come back. I remember one time, one time, one of ours came back, and I said, what's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong? My, my back is acting up. They were five, you know. And, uh, you know, we mimic the people that we allow into our lives. We mimic those people. He says, do that. He says, imitate the Son. 
Verse 2. You still with me? Say amen. Look at verse 2. <clears throat> Let's read it again. Walk in love as Christ also has loved us, has given himself for us in offering, sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. He continues the thought from chapter 4, forgiving. He pulls us in now sacrificially. Sacrificially. Don't I, I, just didn't, I didn't grow up in church. I went to Christian school, but I didn't grow up in church. And so I, you know, as a young teenager, started riding a bus, went to church, and then my parents would come along after. But I just didn't. I didn't know anything about what went on in, this, in the big service. I never went to a junior church until I actually served in one. That was an uh, older teenager in college. And, uh, and I'd see stuff on TV, you know, and they're lighting candles. You know, I didn't know that's, we didn't do, you know. Or, you know, burning incense. And I'm thinking, man, I don't like incense. Incense stinks to me. And, and, and if you're going to come up to me afterward and go, you just hadn't smelled the right one. Look, I know people in essential oils. I think I've smelled it all. And, uh, and some of it's okay and some of it is not. And, uh, and I think, man, it's bad. And then at and then some point I figured out, you know, this is a lot less like candles and, and oils and incense jazz and it's a whole lot more like a barbecue. It's a whole lot more like a party. It's a whole lot like you're going to the county fair, the state fair, and that waft of good-smelling things that are cooking hits you. He says this marvelous fragrance and aroma is when you live in such a way <clears throat> and you remember, you, you remember what Christ did for you, and you get to imitate Him as He gave Himself sacrificially. One writer said, He became sin for us, gave up His life so that we might be redeemed from our sin. He gave us a new and a holy nature, and we now have that wonderful fringe benefit of inheriting eternal life. This aroma glorified the Father. It pleased Him by what He did. It was all-consuming. It was... It was sovereign, it was perfect, it was unconditional. It was, it was everything that is sacrificial love. As I was studying, I was reminded, in Leviticus, there was these five types of offerings that were commanded by God. And the Jewish hearers there at Ephesus would have tuned in. Leviticus 1 talks about the burnt offering. No hooks were put in. No portions were cut aside. Whatever was there, uh, uh, bread, meat, uh, 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 a wine poured out, anything like that, it, would just, it just was completely consume, consumed. They would come back and they would scrape up, scrape up basically the embers in where it had carbonized <coughs> on the offering, the burn offering. This would be Christ's perfection. It was complete. It was completely sufficient. It was a grain offering there. It was a grain offering. They would put those kernels out. Again, occasionally it would turn into bread, but sometimes it would just be there. And as that would go, and then it would begin to pop, as it would begin, those kernels would begin to explode there, begin to explode. And all of this, and part of that was they would take that grain, they would wave it in the air, and the parts that were bad would fall off. And they would do that as a symbol of praise. And then they would lay it out there, this total devotion to God and giving His life to please the Father. There was a peace offering, Leviticus 3, where God would make peace between himself and us. He would do these. These were all entitled to soothing aroma to the Lord, 
if you will, in our, in our text, a sweet-smelling savor. That's what God did for you. Why should I imitate him? Why should I live for him? Because of what he's done for you. He forgave you and he commands you to be forgiving. He sacrificed himself for you. He commands you to live for him. He does this. I am not coerced. I am instead entreated. I am not berated. This is not a cult where if I get out of line, something bad's going to happen to me. This is a relationship because Christ has done this for me in such a way. He has loved me so much. There was two more. There was the sin offering. There was the sin offering. Leviticus 4 and the trespass offering. Leviticus 5. At one point, the high priest would take and figuratively put his hands on a, on a ram or a goat. And they would make that animal an outcast. Couldn't stay within the camps. Couldn't stay within the city. They would do these things. These were considered repulsive in one sense to God. What they represented. Christ did that for us. He became sin for us. Let me help you. You get real chummy and start acting like lost people and you start breaking God's heart. I point you to Ephesians 5 verse 2. Christ has loved us, gave himself for us. That he would what? And he was a sacrifice and an offering to God in such a way that it pleased him. And we literally stank up the nostrils of God. Christ came on our behalf and made it appropriate for us to live and to be accepted by him. We are then to live as living sacrifice. You're to imitate him. And let me ask you, who do you act like? You act like your old father, the devil? You act like the lovely Lord. Who are you becoming more like? Let me again, who are you spending time with? Are you a five-year-old walking around going, oh, my back? You walking around when something bad happens, man, and the expletives and ugly language runs out of your mouth? Who are you acting like? Be imitators of God. Imitate the Lord. Mimic the Lord. Number two, he says to live as holy people. You still with me? You know what I mean? Verse number, or excuse me, number two, he says to live as holy people. Live as holy people. Verse three, fornication, uncleanness, covetousness, let it not be once named among you as become a saint. And he's going to break it out two ways, two ways. He's going to talk about immoral works and immoral words. Immoral works and immoral words. He's going to give us basically three of each. <coughs> three of each there. The word immorality there is the word we get our word pornography from, or pornea. <clears throat> it is all kinds of sexual sin. Instead of giving you a list of all kinds of things, he just gives you the generic word here. This should not be part of the repertoire, the CV of the Christ follower. The Christ follower. They did a study. It's dated now. They can't get good date on the other. Not because it doesn't exist, but because the advertisers are holding it hostage. Can't get good data. But give or take 2014, 2016, it was estimated. It was estimated that 75% of, uh, of young men into their 30s, into their 30s, habitually, that is daily, that is daily looked at sensual images. That number was climbing to 30 to 35% for young ladies. We are awash. We are awash in immorality. 
we are awash and people go, man, it is no big deal if I live with this person. It is no big deal if I do this. It is no big deal if I go outside the bonds of my marriage. It is no big deal if I do these things. And he says, this should never be named among you. Never be named among you. Because you are holy. He says, immorality that's there. Immorality. Let me, let me help you. You ever, you ever like me, God, I want you to do something just unbelievably special in our church or in my life. You ever, you ever get to that point, maybe, maybe riding to work, maybe thinking, maybe just along going, God, I, I don't want to stay here. I don't want to stay at the peanut butter and jelly stage. I, I want to. I'd really love to go the next. You, you ever, you ever, your heart beat that way? Or you hear somebody talk about something happened years ago or some other place? God, do that here. God, do that here. Let me help you. You want, you want a kickstart, jumpstart a revival in Knoxville, Knox County? We get, we get real about the sin, about the sin of immorality. We get real about knocking it out of our hearts and lives. When, when God would do something with us and cleanse us and we would repent, and the people who claim to know Christ, man, they would all of a sudden say, it's not, it's not, it's not pertinent and it's not, it shouldn't be part of my character that this is involved in my life. By the way, you can tell that when people start getting right with God because they start getting rid of that stuff. Somebody say amen to that. Man, folks, man, they, 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 they get married. <laughs> Excuse me. <coughs> they, they stop some relationship. There's just so many things I want to I say here, but all kinds. He says a second word that's there in all uncleanness. Uncleanness. If I say something is cathartic, cathartic. Anybody ever had a nap that was cathartic? Anybody have a good stretch that was cathartic? Anybody you ever ate too much and you sat back and said, well, I have exercised. I've exercised, the, uh, I've exercised the hunger pains today. You've done those things. You ever gotten really mad? You went outside and like chopped down a tree and went, okay, that was cathartic. And uh, you done that? Just me? I'm the only one in here like that. The word there is acathartic, or what we would say acathartic. Put away all types of sexual sin, sensuality. Shouldn't be named among you. And then he says, and the stuff that comes with it. Stuff that comes with it. You know, one of the poisons in my mind of popular entertainment, TikTok, and all those kind of things, is they portray sin that never has consequences. It never has baggage. All the premarital I've done all the years of working with college students I've done, I always remind them one thing. They're starting to get married, starting to get serious, getting a little older. They used to preach a lot of camps and stuff like that. I'd remind them, I said, there's going to be a time and a point you're going to sit across the table from a young man or young lady, and you're about to get married to them, and you're going to have to tell them about your past. You want that speech, you want that speech to be as short as humanly possible. Because they got to figure out if they can deal with what you've done. And you bring all that with you. I've had, I don't know how many, come up to me. They've been married years, come up to me. Brother Rodney, I want you to know, I never forgot that. And I got to stand, I got to sit across my future husband, future wife, and I got to have a short sentence. And I appreciate you sharing that with me and telling that with me. Because I got friends, man, and their, their husbands and wives have never gotten over all their baggage. Never gotten over all those things. <coughs> R.G. Lee, <coughs> famous preacher, Bellevue Baptist Church says, when you're done with sin, it may not be done with you. <coughs> the, make sure that you're putting those things away. All uncleanness. All uncleanness. All the effects that it has on us. The guilt, the shame. 
the addictions, all that come when you are out of control, out of control. There's a third word that's there. He says greed or covetousness, selfish, I want what doesn't belong to me, that's immorality, I can't avoid it, all the trappings that come because I'm feeling dead inside, they're the uncleanness, and then this greed, this unsatiable appetite for all kinds of things, put it away. By the way, and then this becomes our God. Covetousness, and let it not be once named among you. There's a moral work, so live as holy people. How many of you think we'd have revival as a nation if we'd start living like we're supposed to and act like our Father, the Lord Jesus, and the Lord Jesus Christ? Somebody say amen to that. But this is just brass roots, uh, bare knuckle kind of thing, excuse me, basic kind of thing. He says immoral words. We say, preacher, you missed me on the first one. Well, buckle up. <laughs> Let's see where we are here. See where we are here. He says it's not fitting. Neither filthiness, foolish talking, jesting, which are not convenient, that they don't fit. But rather giving, rather giving of thanks. Some of you know I was, <clears throat> before, before I got sick, I was, <clears throat> excuse me, I was, uh, I, I was, I was doing what I do. I, I packed too much into a, a morning one time. And so I had to, I had to go, had to, had to, had to go and, and uh, exercise physical therapy. And I, I did that. <laughs> I did that, and I forgot I had a dental appointment. Forgot I had a dental appointment. And so, and, uh, and so, and so I, I'm like, oh, man. So I, I packed my bag really quickly, and I'm going to change there. I'll come in, and I won't be, I won't, uh, I'll still be sweating, but I, I'll be able to, Crick shower at the, at the place and, and all. So I'm exercise, boom, I'm, I'm on time. Shower, boom, I'm on time. And I get dressed, putting on the clean clothes, <laughs> clean clothes. And, and I have grabbed one of Riley's T-shirts. Now, before you start giggling, I'll go ahead and let you in. Riley and I are not the same size. <laughs> all I've got, all I've got is this. And I know it's in vogue right now for you skinny people to wear cutoffs about right here. But an overweight middle-aged man who doesn't have an Audi, but an innie. And the innie is covered in wool. It is not attractive. And I walked out of the gym. Nobody kind of gave me a look, but I walked out. And my shirt's about right here, and it's tight. I can't. I'm driving. I'm driving like a dinosaur. I mean, I can't move my arms. If I move too far, I'm going to bust this shirt and so, and so I'm, I'm, I'm going to be late, but I swing by Walmart. Walmart will help me. And I got the choice. I can put back on the dirty shirt, soaking wet, or I can keep this shirt on. I'm like, man, because every time you go in Walmart or Target, you see people you know, and I'm like, it's the middle of the morning. Maybe I won't see anybody. And so I go in, and God bless the Walmart people. Nobody even looked at me sideways. I didn't even stand out of place. And I go in, I'm over there, and I, I grab something and hold it up to me like it really matters. And uh, pay for it, it's four or five bucks. I run out, I'm mad, I change clothes in the parking lot. Somebody's got a video of that somewhere. Thank the Lord I hadn't seen it. Jump in the car, and I got that chemical formaldehyde, new clothes smell, you know. And, uh, and, I'm, and, I, and I go in, and I'm, I'm, I'm there, and they're snarky with me going, your appointment was at, I was like five minutes late. They're snarking with me at the desk, and they make me wait 20 minutes for to take me back, which makes me mad. And so I smell bad, and I'm still sweating, and I'm in a brand new shirt. And all I can think of, did I get all the tags? 
Did I get all the tags, you know, and I'm mad, and I'm mad at people who packed my bag, which is me, and it didn't fit, and it didn't belong. It's what he says about your immoral words. Your immoral words. If you're a follower of Christ, it ought to have changed your speech. Change your speech. What do you mean there? He gives again, he says, foolish talking. <coughs> excuse me. He says, uh, neither filthiness, excuse me, filthy, shameful, disgraceful talk, obscenities, pejoratives that rob people of their dignity. I agree with the old Supreme Court justice. I don't know there's a complete list, but I know it when I hear it. This should never come out of the child of God's mouth. He says, filthy, he talks about foolish talking there. <coughs> it's the idea. We get our word moron or moronic from. Doesn't mean they lack intellectual ability, but it simply is, it's almost the idea that they describe life in the terms that there's no God. That is foolish talk. There is a judge. He will judge. He is the one who is the arbiter. It is pointless, empty, foolish talking. By the way, I just described Twitter for those of you that are online. He says filthiness, foolish talking, jesting or coarse jesting. Twisting words and double entendres, says, which do not fit, are not convenient. Instead, you know what you ought to be known for? You ought to be known for gratefulness. Thank you. Thank you. Somebody said, I gave him a piece of my mind. I'm reminded of what Milton Berle said. Some of you don't have mind enough to give. I'm, I'm convinced that people figure out I'm a follower of Christ, I'm going to leave a better tip. If I'm leaving a gospel track at the dinner table, I'm, I'm making sure they know I'm not cheap and chintzy. I'll eat again. I ain't got to be mean and snarky to someone who's trying to put food on the table. Let me look at me. And not everybody deserves me in my unbridled anger. I just soon be known for being thankful. Rather, giving of thanks. How do I imitate the Lord? He says, you're, excuse me, I'm to mimic Him in His forgiveness. I'm to mimic Him in sacrificially in the love that is there. He says, and then there's some things you are not to be doing. Do not be deceived. Do not be deceived. What's that? You still with me? For this you know, verse 5. If you're in your Bibles, look down there. I think I've got it printed for you. No whoremonger, unclean person, covetous man who's an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain, empty words, because of these things come with the wrath of God on the children of disobedience. Paul had pastored this place. He preached this to them before. You say, what's one difference our church, maybe in some other churches in East Tennessee? I don't know all the differences. One thing is, you know, your pastor had a mullet last week, and now he doesn't. Mullet-free, we can put that on the advertising. But I hope another thing is that we're really trying to present the gospel. The gospel changes your life. The gospel is not just I raised my hand when I was 18 somewhere. The gospel is not just I prayed a prayer because I felt bad one time. The gospel is not I went up with a bunch of my buddies to an altar at a camp somewhere. The gospel says your life has been changed. And do not be deceived. If you continue in the practice of your life has never been different, you are deceived and you're not supposed to be deceived. There are, there are habitual traits in our lives. God says are out of bounds and are an evidence that you've never been transformed. 
You say, are you talking about being sinless? No, I'm thankful for 1 John 1, 9. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. I am glad that there is grace after that. I'm not saved because I keep being good. I am saved because He is good and because He has transformed my life. It's dangerously deceptive. Let me read so I don't misspeak. For Christians to offer assurance of salvation to a professing believer whose life is characterized by persistent sin and who shows no shame for that sin, no hunger for the holy and pure things of God, they are headed for wrath. Chapter 2, verse 2. And we are not to partake with them. We know better than to say that these things are no big deal. But we become numb to it. Paul unflinchingly, resolutely, directly, no, nor, nor, nor has any inheritance. Has any inheritance. I don't share. If you don't think he's being clear in verse 5, if you underline the highlight, look at verse 6. Let no man deceive you vain words, for come of these things comes the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. In the face of exhortation, confrontation, discipline, people are unresponsive. They may just be dead in their trespasses and sins. These things should not be the case they should not be the case say that's just an exception stay with me first corinthians 6 9 know you not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of god be not deceived fornicators daughters abusers effeminate abuse themselves with mankind thieves covetous drunkards revilers extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of god every now and then somebody says preacher you don't preach real hard let's offer you a couple more now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, seditions, heresies, strife, sedition, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, reveling, such like. By the way, I just described the HBO and the Showtime playlist here, didn't I? Of the rest, which I tell you before, as I told you in time past, they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that does righteous, righteous, as he is righteous. He that committeth sin is of the devil. You are imitating the wrong one. Don't do that. Do not be deceived. Do not be deceived. I think I put it in your notes. If I did not, if I did not, I'm into it again. Understand, understand a problem is not a pattern. The problem is not a pattern. Problem is not a pattern. I'm going to want a handheld in just a second, guys, because I think that mine's about to die. A problem is not a pattern. I think it's. I think it's. I think it's going to be exciting if I if I get electrocuted up here, y'all. Do not broadcast that. See what do you mean? I mean, I mean, a guy who's with the wrong crowd in the wrong place, he gets plastered. Is different than a guy who's plastered Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. If it's sinless perfection, the only one who's ever going to be right with God is Jesus. If, it, if instead, if that's the, if that's the standard, there's, there is grace. 
I'm not talking about I'm not talking about a problem. I'm not talking about an isolated incident. He is clear though. If this is characteristic of you, this is characteristic of you, and you don't have a part in the kingdom of God and the wrath, the judge is awaiting. Do not partake with it. Let me close. I'm done. <clears throat> I came across this uh, this anecdote, this little bit of research. A guy was said he was in the airport back before uh, C-19. Said he was waiting on his flight, you know, those, those little areas. And he said there was a woman just barreling down the middle way, coming right at a people mover. If I say people mover in an airport, everybody know what I mean? Those little carts, sometimes there's a couple of seats, sometimes they actually got a little trolley, and, and you can give some money, or if you have a special need, they'll take you around. <clears throat> said the guy was the guy had several people on his little people mover, and the woman was straight at him. Business woman, uh, business attire, pulling her luggage, had the sling bag. He said, "Well, she's going to turn." He had the lights going. He had the lights going, and he had the beep 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 beep. beep you know that that annoying thing, you know, in an airport. She keeps gaining ground. He's moving toward her. He has a lane. He's supposed to be in that lane for safety. She's coming right at him. He said, I watched it. He beeped, lights flashing, everything. He slams on brakes. She still, with him at a complete stop, wham, right into him. Stunned, he was in front of her. He wondered how the driver would react. The driver got out, he said, with great compassion. The woman was shaken, helped her, got her luggage in the bag. Not a crossword, not a side eye was given. Lady got, he pointed her to her uh, gate or, or concourse or whatever, and got in and kept going. The man had a good layover. <clears throat> he went and found somebody in the uniform and said, I just witnessed this and this. What, what did I just see? Why did that guy not get out and, and go all Brooklyn on her? He said, oh, sir. He said, we are trained for these type of things. He said, the problem in our modern airports is there is so much noise and so many distractions and so many things they're trying to watch for. They're late. They're looking at a gate. They're watching this. They're checking their phone, making a connection, responding to calls. That all that we do cannot cut through the fog and the numbness of all that's going on. And so we expect that every so often someone is just going to plow right into us. And we help them because for the first time, they're paying attention to their surroundings. You know what verses 1 through 7 are? For some of us, we run right into them. And for the first time, we go, you know what? I'm, I'm doing some things I'm not supposed to be doing. I am saying some things that I'm not supposed to be saying. I am letting some people influence my life, and I'm acting more like my old father, the devil, than my new Lord, Jesus Christ. 
And I am done with that because that's how people who don't know Christ live. And I'm not doing that anymore. And let me help you. And if your life has never been changed, but all you've got is some religious moment, I invite you to a new relationship. Repent of your sins. Ask God to save you, forgive you, and to change your life. Don't be like that well-meaning, distracted lady who never saw it coming. She was so distracted by everything else. Do not be deceived. Do not be deceived. Would you pray with me right now? Father, we love you and thank you for loving us.